We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, my guy, Jack Manuel. Jack, what's up? Well, it's still somehow there is still news to talk about with the Brooklyn Nets. And thank you, Kevin Rand. Thank you, Kyrie Irving. Thank you, Carmelo Anthony, question mark. <laughs> Carmelo, yeah, it's sneaking in there. No, definitely. It's, you know, the second week of September and we're still talking about Nets news. It is nice, though, because we are very close to the season. Before we get into it, quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, Google Play, and YouTube. But, Jack, I'm going to pass it over to you. Let's smash and get right into the Wall Street Journal article with Kevin Durant and Nick. Um, firstly, just what are your thoughts on the piece as a whole? I, I thought it was one of the best written, most intriguing pieces. And, and I love player deep dives. And I know you're a big Kevin Durant fan. I know I'm a big Kevin Durant fan, even despite, you know, all the, the sort of snake stuff. Um, this just sort of purely illuminated what he is as a player and as a person in probably ways that maybe even Bill Simmons' podcast couldn't do. I feel like I took away so much about Kevin Durant from this article. Maybe not as much about like the joining the Nets. There were some nuggets on that, but just the person he is and his mindset. I think you got a lot better idea. Then we had the live YouTube show with one of his friends uh, last week. And I think just like those two combination with the Wall Street Journal article, like you mentioned, was extremely well written and well thought out. It's just like you have a better idea of who this guy Kevin Durant is as a person. Definitely. And I think that, he is just he is who he is and i think yep. that it's it's simplistic to to boil it down to that but and there was some sort of stuff where it was just like you know some days i hate the nba you know um he said before that like he has all love for okc but like in the moment right now you know he's contradicting himself saying like you know fuck those guys um, <laughs> he's just gonna be honest and i yeah. think that that's something that you and if if you don't like yes you can dislike what he says but you have to respect the fact that he says it because in a, in a in like a media landscape when it comes to sports media especially we get contrite answers and forced answers and trade answers 
But now, like as, as, as Brooklyn Nets fans, we have two of the guys who are maybe might not like, you know, sort of the, the media, uh, uh, specific sessions in the media. But when they do talk, there's always, it's always incredibly illuminating and it feels incredibly personal. Um, and I think that's just the thing about Kevin Durant that the people that do and, and are endeared to him, um, this sort of article sort of, you know, reflected that. Yeah, it's like people complain about the vanilla responses or generic responses from NBA players or athletes in general. And then somebody comes through and says actually how they feel and you cry about it. Like, respect him for just saying what how he feels. He's 100% telling the truth. It's not like he's making anything up. This is how KD feels and he put it out there. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, we'll talk about some quotes from it and such. And um, one thing from me that sort of summed helped sum up and, and was a, a big part of sort of understanding Kevin Durant is that when he was at this Q, um, massive Q&A at, at, at some conference and, you know, someone asked him, what makes you so great? And like coolly and calmly and quickly, he said paranoia. And I'm just like, that's just like to know that and to just feel that and to be honest about that. Because like, I think that, you know, we all exist in like a heightened sense of anxiety. And I think that anxiety when channeled can be incredibly productive because it's you're always wanting to do more you're always wanting to do better and that's Kevin Durant when it comes to basketball this is a guy that just is never ending when it comes to his love for the craft of the sport his love for talking about it his love for being out there and playing it so like yes it might seem like a really weird answer but for me how I interpret it it was just like it's just it's almost oddly poetic in a way yeah, I mean, it's the truth. And, like, I mean, in some ways you think about, like, all-time greats or just people who are at the top of whatever they do. There is some type of paranoia. And I think <laughs> this makes me think about a commercial. I want to say it was a Gatorade commercial. And it was KD and Dwayne Wade. And they're both having nightmares about the opposing player doing yeah. something to them. Yeah. yeah. And that's and that's spot on. And that's, like, you know, I kind of feel that way. And sometimes I don't want to say, uh, like, my success is based off of paranoia. But you do have some anxiety and expectation for yourself that you don't want to lose an opportunity. And I think that's what he's talking about. Like, he was given these God-given talents to being a, a crazy good basketball player. And his paranoia is that he's not going to live up to that expectation or get to the highest peak that he can get to. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we'll speak about it before we get to the sort of net stuff that was outlined in the article. Um the one thing I also really liked is that like, he doesn't believe in choking. Um, in the <laughs> fact that, and he's just like, look, I might miss the shot, but like, to me, choking doesn't exist. If I'm not taking the shot or whatever. And then like he said in the past before where, you know, I think at a high school game where he, he missed the sort of free throw shot and he felt like he did choke in that sort of moment. And now the, the persona and his growth as an individual, as a, as a player and as a man, um, I just, there's if I, I'm not sure maybe I would I think I would have the same amount of love for, for Kevin Durant because he's he's a similar age to me like one or two years older than me and he's just figuring out who he is what his passions are what he wants in life as a man and like to see that development at a person who's at a similar age sort of figuring that out going into their early 30s uh, it's something that I like can really resonate with whereas like you know some of the kids We'll be more drawn to like LeBron James and Stephen Curry's of the world because they're just these otherworldly, you know, superheroes. And like, you know, I'm I'm re I'm watching a show called The Boys now on Amazon, um, which is an awesome show by the way. Uh, but it's like flawed superheroes in a way. And LeBron and and Steph aren't that. They're sort of like the be all and end all. But um, were there any other takeaways, non nets wise, that sort of for you, Nick, really stuck out? That um, I know. I mean, I've, I've mentioned mine, but was there anything else? Uh, from this really extensive, really thoughtful piece that sort of stuck out to you? 
And just, I mean, getting on the points that you just touched on, it's almost like Kevin Durant is more relatable to someone who's in their late 20s, early 30s, where you're going through that struggle and trying to find yourself. And I really like the quote about, like, you you just, like, don't choke if you don't take the shot. And he says, if he misses, it's not my fault. It's the environment or someone else's fault. And a lot of people took this as, like, oh, wow, he's just, like, pushing it all against him. What he's saying here is, like, it's the environment. It's the defense or the player defending me. It's not me who choked. Me choking would be not taking the shot and not doing what I do. So I really like that quote. And I know a lot of people try to turn that around and make it as negative as possible. Yeah, exactly. Um, So any other little sort of tidbits? Highly recommended that everyone who hasn't read this article, probably everyone who's listened to this podcast has because we're all Brooklyn Nets fans and Kevin Durant fans if we are listening and, and on the Brooklyn Buzz. But any other sort of mini takeaways about Golden State? I mean, it's been done to death and, you know, about like, you know, his time there and then OKC we sort of touched on or do you want to get to the Brooklyn Nets stuff? Yeah, I mean, there's different points in there, but we could go, this article we could literally go through for like two hours. Let's get yep. to some of the Nets stuff. So for me, um, what I've got down in my notes, and I'm going to quote this directly from the article. Uh, this time around, shortly before the start of free agency, Kleiman, um, his manager, met Durant for lunch at Cipriani, a cheek restaurant in Soho, and gave him one last overview of all teams and all his options. Durant said, all right, well, I'm going with Brooklyn. Just like that. And we've heard um, Rich Kleiman say, like, he doesn't know what Kevin's going to do. Um, we've heard Kevin Durant say, yeah, I didn't really speak to the Brooklyn Nets. I just sort of picked them. This article and what Kevin Durant said and what Rich sort of said reflects and sort of shows that that was true. I was skeptical about it. I'm like, how can you not like just like call Sean Marks or call Kenny or, or whatever or speak to the organization and just go, yeah, I like the Brooklyn Nets. You know, they've shown me love in the past and sort of just be like, you know, to your business manager. He's just like, yeah, I'm going with Brooklyn, man. Dude, honestly, this was probably just like, this was amazing. This just put a smile on my face. And like, we said it on here, we thought Sean Marks was lying when he said that he didn't know about Katie signing. (laughs) Yeah, like, I mean, I'm sure he got it mentioned to him, but he didn't know for a fact until he saw the Instagram thing. Like, this is wild. And it just goes to show you the perspective that players have about the Nets, you know, uh, from an opposing viewpoint, not only just, you know, on the court, but the organization, how they treat their players. And we kind of talked about this on the outlet, how Bobby Portis had mentioned that everybody knew that Katie and Kyrie is going to the Nets. It's like players communicate a lot about different things. And the Nets have done a really good job, it looks like, in the player circles and making themselves viewed very highly. Yeah, and I think that that speaks volumes to the organization. Um, I'm hoping while I'm in New York and in, in the coming months around October, November, that I can, I'm just going to like be on KD watch and try and find all the bougie restaurants around Manhattan and maybe I'll bump into him and <laughs> it'll be cool because like, you know, KD seems pretty bougie and he's loving, uh, you know, there are talks, you know, from this article as well that, you know, he's looking to, to make his move and he, he's looking to find a property there. And obviously he has that, massive outlandish mansion in, in LA. So um, obviously he might be checking, you know, where, where Kyrie's living too. We saw, we spoke about that, you know, it feels like eons ago before um, when we spoke about pre-free agency when he was looking at houses around Manhattan and Brooklyn and such. But I guess we'll get to Kyrie and his well, best and friend in the league. Well, just one point that you kind of mentioned is like, yeah. it really matters that the Nets uh, training facility is in Brooklyn and I thought that this was pointed out in the article and how players kind of prefer that because Katie mentioned how he just likes to wake up not, he said I think he said not brush my hair or brush my yep. teeth just go straight to the facility and start shooting so like I think it really players really value that the training facility is very close to Barclay Center 
yeah, and then, you know, Joe Harris walks there. Um, I think Theo Pinson, when we saw the Brooklyn Nets social media post this sort of video, you know, he was looking for one. Spencer Dimity, apparently, according to the New York Post, is looking for the, the highest penthouse in all of Brooklyn. Um, not sure how true that is. And we'll get to Spencer a, a little bit later in the pod. But um, the friendship of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant has been made known um, plenty of times, Nick. Um, when he called him his best friend in the league, did it surprise you at all? Did it just well, reaffirm a, a lot of things that you already thought about? Yeah, and no, I already thought that. So it really didn't. It was just like something I already knew. Like, I think it was pretty easy to tell that these guys have a different relationship. We saw all types of threads throughout the year. And before we knew they were coming to the Nets, it was a lot of Knicks-related stuff that did the work and saying that, all right, yeah, their best friends are going to go together, and that's why they're going to New York. And I guess sort of asking you to be sort of an armchair psychologist here. Um, <laughs> what What is it? I that... don't have a major in this. <laughs> no, I'm, make, I'm making you Freud this shit up, my dude. Um, <laughs> what is it do you, that you think draws these two, you know, sort of mis misunderstood superstars together? What is it about their friendship that you think like makes them different from say like LeBron James, Dwayne Wade and, and you know, Kamala Anthony? What is it about this friendship, you know, if you're sort of to di dissect it from just a fan perspective or just like an individual perspective? Why are these guys friends? What makes them such have such a strong relationship? What is it about it? I think it's just like this can go right down to the simplest thing and it relates to just like, you know, people on a different level is like they just have viewpoints that are similar. They have personalities that are similar and they just vibe together. That's just like something how it is. Like when you meet somebody, sometimes you can just instantly tell when you're going to be friends because, you know, the vibe that you get from them and just the things that you talk about and the way you view things, you're like, okay, like I already know this guy's going to be one of my homies. And I just feel like those two just really vibe together and they communicate. Obviously, they're both elite basketball players at the highest level, work extremely hard at their craft. And they view things outside the box. You know, a lot of people just take it how it is in the NBA. These guys are willing to kind of push the borders and say things that are a little bit crazy or that people don't want to hear. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're, they're unafraid to speak their minds. Um, and I think that, you know, having those similar sort of personalities, they both have um, uh, an indelible um, passion for, for the craft of basketball. Um, you know, some people see it as a job. Some people use it as a platform for, for other sort of things. But these guys... And it's the way they play and it's their love for the game. Um, and yes, they're, they're incredible superstars on and off the court. But the, the thing that matters to them most, at least at this point of their lives, is what they're doing on the court. Um, and I think that, you know, that pure, you know, the, the respect there as well, uh, I, I think that, you know, is one thing too that probably speaks volumes. And yeah, I think that, you know, two people just can click. And I think... We see Katie and Kyrie sort of being sort of different cats, and there's nothing wrong with that. And um, it worked out well for the Brooklyn Nets, so I'm certainly not complaining. Yeah, it works out great for the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> uh, were there any other sort of Brooklyn Nets takeaways for you, Nick, from the article? Um, it is now, uh, seeing as I've looked at it a couple of times, I now have to pay for it, so I can't scroll through it anymore. Thank you, Wall Street <laughs> Journal. Uh, I had that issue when I was trying to view it on my phone. It would, like, tell me I had to log in or subscribe. So I was just trying to read everybody's quotes off Twitter until I got home to my uh, desktop. But yep. uh, the other one that stuck out, uh, Dur Durant decided to wear number seven in Brooklyn because, you know, God rested on the seventh day after creating heaven and earth. And that almost signals, like, obviously, this is early in the process. He hasn't even played a game with the Nets. It seems like he wants to finish his career in Brooklyn. That would just be the final chapter. It certainly seems that way. And obviously, you know, we've heard him say before, I don't know how true it is, that he wants to retire when he's 35. Um, we saw him wear hats throughout the season 
um, for the Golden State Warriors with the seven on it. Um, so it's sort of like, you know, a precursor to that. So, um, you know, I think that it's certainly a reasonable assumption to make from what he has said. Um, I don't necessarily think we can read into anything that these superstars are going to do. They are um, incredibly, you know, they could change on a whim and that's their prerogative. You know, they deserve that freedom to, to do what they want. If, if you are so good at, at what you do, you deserve to live and be compensated in a way uh, and in whatever environment and context you know, you want to be in. So uh, I think it's more likely than unlikely that he finishes his career in Brooklyn, but we could see Katie have a massive change of heart and go, well, look, Seattle might become a franchise uh, in three, four years' time. And he's just like, look, man, the Seattle gave me some vibes and he wants to go there. He could buy and- part of the team and, you know, be a player slash owner. You never know. Exactly. You know, um, LeBron James has spoken about it with Cleveland. Um, so... Who knows? Um, there's so much that can change in such a short space of time. We, we didn't even think we'd be speaking about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in this podcast, let alone thinking about their retirement plans. But, um, you know, I, I think that it's it's an odd odd way, odd number of choosing, but, like, you know, the, the meaning that it has to him, uh, I, I think, is really cool. Yeah, it is. It was definitely something interesting. You see players pick numbers all the time for weird reasons. I thought that was actually, like, one that made sense. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely was. But um, great article. Looking forward to to more Nets media as it uh, continues to progress out. Hopefully Kyrie can do some some pieces too. But um, I guess I'll touch on Kyrie a little bit before we move on to Spencer Dinwiddie and Carmelo Anthony, Nick. Um, I sort of touched on, on it on his individual buzz, but I'll ask you directly. Um, do you read into any of Kyrie's unwillingness to talk to the media directly uh, over this offseason? No, because he put out that video of being in Brooklyn. Like, he was excited about it. He did what he wanted to do. And like I've said before on, I don't know if it was this episode or the last one we just did, we recorded so many today, he just maybe doesn't enjoy talking to the media. And I don't think it's a big deal. You don't want people prying at what's your decision-making. Like, some people just don't want that, especially, you know, media members that you don't know. You don't have relationships. It's not like they're your friends. So it's just like – and he's in a position where the media treated him, I guess – in a negative light, they made everything seem negative, especially on the way out of Boston, that they're just going to turn whatever he says into something negative, or at least that's a mindset he has right now. Yeah, like a lot of these superstars have their sort of homies and, and really close sort of friends and close sort of relationships with media members, like uh, Kevin Durant has Chris Haynes, um, LeBron James has Dave McMenamin, um, Kyrie Irving has Jackie McMullen. That, that's the person who I think of when he opens up and when there's a lot of profiles, where there's a lot of news, where there's a lot of quotes, it's generally a Jackie Mac, pe- Jackie Mac piece on ESPN. In Brooklyn, I'm intrigued to see um, whether Jackie McMullen is reassigned. She's Boston through and through, so maybe she has to do dual duty, but um, who Kyrie Irving is going to want to within that media. And it's not to say, like, you know, we've got Sarah Kustok. He's, he's professed a love for the, the, the Nets, um, the Yes Media team, including Iron Eagle. Uh, Michael Grady is obviously awesome. He's developed some incredible relationships with the likes of Spencer Dimwini, Jared Allen, and Joe Harrison, and, and the rest. So um, I'm interested to see when he does start speaking, you know, what he's saying, uh, who he's saying it about. Um, it's almost like, you know, him not saying anything doesn't worry me, but when he does start speaking, um, like when Kevin Durant speaks, um, there's going to be plenty to dissect. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, It's just like there's going to be a lot to dissect. Obviously, media day coming up at the end of the month, I think uh, the 24th or 25th, something along those lines. And we're going to, that'll be our first chance to really dive deep into some Kyrie quotes. 
Yeah, and we know that last year's um, media day pod that we did when we sort of went through the quotes, um, it was all D'Angelo Russell, it was all Karis LeVert, and now we've got some superstars to worry about, and they've obviously got the Brody on court sort of stuff, but we will avoid that. We've chatted about that, and there's no new news in, in relation to that. If there is, we'll obviously discuss it on the buzz, but there's nothing new to really report, uh, Other and the same with Wilson Chandler. But something new that is to report, Nick, is uh, Spencer Dinwiddie's contract. Sham Sarania came out, um, and he said... He's turning his NBA contract into a digital investment vehicle. Uh, I wasn't able to read the athletic piece, but I've read quotes here and there. I watched the jump earlier this morning. Uh, hey, does this just does this surprise you at all? No, and just to correct myself real quick, uh, media day is the 27th, but I'm not that surprised because Spencer's an interesting guy. He almost is in the similar light to like Kyrie and Katie. He's outside the box and. From my understanding, what he's doing is creating a digital bond for himself so someone can invest the money and they'll get the money back in the future because his contract is going to come. Obviously, he's not going to lose his contract unless something crazy were to happen, but that's not going to happen with Spencer. So he's just getting more money now to do whatever he wants to do. If Is that an investment into one of his companies or is that you know just using the money? It's a really interesting idea, and I'm just curious to why he's exactly doing it and what the purpose is. Well... I know throughout the season that he's professed, um, you know, a, a knowledge of, of Bitcoin currency and such. And it's funny, I type in um, Spencer Dimwitty and instead of like, you know, the Athletic or ESPN coming up, it's Business Insider. Interesting. Um, so like, I'll, I'll read these these dot points and they've sort of surmised it pretty well. Um, that he's planning to convert his contract into a digital investment and take an upfront payment. Uh, the digital token would allow Dinwiddie to trade future income for a smaller payment and invest the sum immediately. Uh, investors into sort of, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie as like a stock, I guess, will be paid principal and interest as his contract would cover what he owes his bondholders. So he's using it sort of like as collateral. Yeah. Um, and the move is a first in the NBA. And apparently, you know, this, if it works out, we could see other players follow Spencer Dinwiddie's mold. And we know he's, we've spoken about on, on, on plenty of pods that, you know, he's a, he's a different sort of thinker. He's an intelligent guy. He he graded incredibly well on his SATs. But um, there's a little bit of risk in this. And I think that I know I, I, I retweeted in, in, in jest, you know, I'm going to convert all my life savings into Bitcoin as well. Um, I, I think that if this works out, and the fact that he, because he has, you know, tens of millions of dollars to sort of rest back on, that he has that confidence and he has that knowledge. So um, I think this speaks to, to Dimity's intelligence and sort of uh, willingness to explore different avenues to sort of increase his own sort of, you know, value and worth. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, it's not something that I anticipated seeing like at any point this season or in even the, this current season with the NBA players, but Spencer's the guy to do it. And I'm intrigued to see how it works out and just like how it benefits him in the whole situation and like what he's trying to do getting that extra money now. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... It's going to be interesting because the biggest risk, according to the Business Insider, is if it's the primary driver for Dinwiddie to pay his investors back. So he could find himself without the funds to repay bondholders if, you know, um, misconduct threatens his deal with the team. So, like, if he were to, you know, be in some sort of horrible circumstance that threatens the... You know, he were to breach his contract in some form. Yeah, perfect that... example for our NFL fans. Antonio Brown just breached his contract with the Raiders. They were able to waive him without giving him his guaranteed money. If something were to happen with Spencer on the same light, he'd lose the money and then he'd be screwed. Yeah, 
But we know Spencer, that's very, very, very unlikely to happen. Um, I In the NBA, that. it's less likely to happen, too. The yeah. NFL is more about kind of trying to take money away from players, where the NBA, the Players Association, would probably never let that happen unless he did something no. extremely bad, which everything we know about Spencer, that doesn't seem to be the case. It will not be the case. And uh, I did see Michael Grady already posting. Um, <laughs> I saw it. The little six-second video. He's like, so Spence, what are you doing with your money? And I'm just like, I look forward to hear what his answer is because um, I just like it's it's cool to see people do different things and take risks because um, you know if this does work out, it could set like with like the articles that I sort of reference, it could set a precedent and allow others to explore these opportunities and and Spencer could become you know the the sort of vehicle and leader in that sort of market. So I hope this works out for him and then some, and he becomes just this sort of leader in this sort of you know digital investment sort of currency, and he just becomes the guy in that sort of sense and. Um, allows all these windows and opportunities and doors to open for a, a lot of other players. Yeah, I mean, he could be trying to build his own Iron Man suit. I know he's getting the Iron Man bobblehead this year. Yep. So, um, <laughs> speaking of Nick, what were your favorites? Um, I guess I'll, I'll give you some time to open it up on the Brooklyn Nets uh, Twitter page. I already got, I got them open. <laughs> Good. All right. I'll, I can ask you directly then. What were your favorite looks, or favorite nights uh, that have been projected? If you want to list them out for us because you've got it open. Yeah, yeah, I listed out for the fans. So first 10,000 fans on October 25th, which I believe is the second home game. I believe that's yeah. against the Knicks. Kyrie Irving, replica jersey. That's a really good giveaway. I'm already going to open it, and I have to consider that. Then November 22nd, Spider-Man bobblehead, obviously awesome. November 29th, SpongeBob SquarePants arm and headband set. I'm assuming it would be something related to, like, the cartoon episodes where he's had the headband and wristband. I don't know. Yep. And uh, also, and, Kyrie's got the, sh the SpongeBob shoes. True, 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 yep. true. NBA trading card uh, by Panini. First 5,000 kids, 12 and under. That's messed up, bro. I want my trading cards. And that's on December 1st. <laughs> <laughs> uh, December 21st, Star Wars night. DeAndre, Bob, uh, DeAndre Jordan bobblehead. Uh, January 18th, Spencer Dinwiddie as Iron Man bobblehead. January 31st, Notorious B.I.G. bobblehead. And March 6th, Dr. J as Black Panther bobblehead. Damn, this is some good nights, my dude. Those are real. This is the best promo I think I've ever seen from an NBA team, at least for me personally, like things yeah. that I really like. Like, first off, obviously, I want a Kyrie Irving jersey. Spider-Man, one of my favorite superheroes. Iron Man, one of my favorite superheroes. Black Panther is awesome, especially as Dr. J. And then even like the Notorious B.I.G. stuff. I know they did that last year as well. So just like... There's not really any night that I wouldn't want to go to. I'm not a huge Star Wars guy, so that doesn't super interest me. But Spon even the SpongeBob thing is kind of funny. Like, I it sucks for me that like I literally will be landing like days after the the Kyrie Irving replica jersey night. It sort of infuriates me. It almost makes me want to change my um, change Travel my plans. flights. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think my favorite would probably be the Kyrie Irving one and also Spider Man because. Spider-Man's my guy, um, and I'm intrigued to see what the, the sort of marketing teams can sort of come up with and what they sort of make and um, with those bobbleheads because those are going to become collectibles. And, you know, not to, to jinx anyone, but um, hopefully they do a little bit better than Carlos Levert did last season when he had, he had his bobblehead night. Yeah, I mean, they should give him another bobblehead just so he can redeem himself. Yeah. I yeah. think yeah. it was purposely planned that they're doing the Kyrie Irving jersey night against the Knicks. Oh, that's uh, – I, I love the salt there. I yeah. mean, I'm all about that just throw the shade um and the knicks fans that'll be rocking up 
And like, if you rock up early, you're getting a Curry Irving jersey <laughs> and the Brooklyn Nets ones, my guys. Um, love it. Love it more than anything else. Um, I wonder what they're going to do with the jerseys, like Knicks fans, because obviously it's in New York and, you know, a lot of the Knicks fans don't want to pay MSG prices, so they go to Barclays Center. Like, I wonder what they're going to do with the jerseys. They're probably going to be what, like, all the other stupid fans do and burn them or some bullshit like that. And, you know, look, I know we've spoken with some pretty cool Knicks fans on, on the pod, including Victor and some others. So there are some smart enough, you know, fans that might just use it, maybe sell it on eBay, maybe give it to their niece. Or just don't take it and let somebody else have it. Like, if you're not yeah. going to keep it and throw it out or burn it or something, just give it to a kid who actually wants a jersey or give it to me. Exactly. Um, a jersey that I'm sure would sell incredibly well would be a Carmelo Anthony jersey, Nick. And um, my guy, Torian Prince, um, obviously there was a workout video of him against Danny Green doing some work, looking trim. Uh, and Torian Prince did retweet it and wrote, guarded him for a month straight. Same mellow, only thing diff is the narrative people throw on his name. Um, we've had... Kyrie, it'd be reported that Kyrie and KD are advocates for having him on the team. Now we have Tori and Prince sort of subtly going, look, Melo's still got game, guys. Um, do these reports, do these videos, do... In fact, compared the pair, what do you think is a stronger advocate for Kamala Anthony? A retweet from Tori and Prince and, and talk from and chatter from uh, Kyrie and KD to, to relevant media organizations or these workout videos from Chris Brickley? Uh, definitely from uh, Katie and Kyrie. Just, you know, these are your guys on the team. They want to win a championship. They're not going to, like, go out and say this sign a guy that is not good. And just to touch on Torian's point is I don't think anybody really question is, like, Melo's still a good isolation scorer. Like, we all know he can still score in isolation. It's more about can he be a complementary piece because he's just not quite as efficient as he was as an isolation scorer in the past or just the way the NBA is you're not going to get as many isolation looks in the mid-range. And actually, um, our guy Matt, es Matt Esposito wrote a great article on Jason Tatum and how people criticized him in the mid-range. But how you can be an efficient mid-range player is getting to the free-throw line. And if you don't get a lot of touches, it's hard to get to the free-throw line. So it's just a weird fit for Melo's game in the current NBA. I think that's really where the big issue is. Yeah, and I think that was sort of, you know, if we were to compare it to like a Dwight Howard, um, he's saying all the right things and... Um, I think it makes the most sense why they got him because they want to ease Anthony Davis and sort of use Dwight Howard as the bruiser and the guy that's getting rebounds. You know, obviously there is a, a probably a wing position there for Kamala Anthony. And one thing that I'm not sure if I've mentioned on the buzz before, but I've probably mentioned it to you or someone else, but Melo's a really good rebounder. Yeah. Um, and I think that that can advocate him for playing the four position. Like I would say he's a, one of he, if he were to be on the Brooklyn Nets, he would be one of the best rebounders on the team outside of the big guys. Yeah, um, no, he was always notoriously good for you know a small forward rebounding because he always had the girth and the width down there, and he just knew how to position his body. I know he got a little bit leaner, but he still has that size that would allow him to kind of get some boards. He's also was pretty good on the offensive boards when he was on the Knicks too. Yeah, so like I think that you know, rebounding has always been a, a pretty important emphasis and probably one of the most underrated skills in the game. I mean, it almost goes to the wayside quite a bit. Um, so I think that if he is given the right role, um, obviously, you know, actions speak louder than words and we haven't seen him prove it in OKC. We haven't seen him prove it in Houston, but, you know, Brooklyn could be his final chance. We spoke about it on the buzz. It'll be um, the, the outlet uh, preview uh, of the Brooklyn Nets season uh, a little bit as well. But, you know, I think that 
you know, the, the video was posted a few days ago. Uh, I, I think that these videos don't really add anything. Like you sort of said, like we, we know what Melo can do and sort of pick up. Um, it's just going to be at the end of the day, uh, is Sean Marks going to be willing to take that risk? Um, uh, how is, you know, Melo going to endear himself to, to Marks and Kenny and sort of go, look, he said all the right things to Stephen A. Smith and ESPN and all these reporters, but, you know, it's, it's another thing doing them. And I think I've said this before, but um, I'm, I'm warm into the idea, especially because of the fact that I don't think the Nets are a championship contender. I know you're higher on that fact because of the fact that you're a bit more optimistic about Kevin Durant returning, but um, for a minimum contract, for a flyer, Maybe give him though that that Dwight Howard deal, the Exhibit Tens, where you put all these clauses in there where it's not guaranteed. Why not? Yeah, I'm definitely warming to the idea, and I think with the uncertainty at the four position right now, with the whole Rodion thing and Wilson Chandler, you know, being suspended 25 games, the Nets definitely will probably have to make a move at some point and bring somebody in. And if he's in house and he does well, it's kind of easier to keep him. If he doesn't do well, you know, you maybe you move on. And we've kind of talked about this in the past. You could argue the Nets would be the best fit for him since the Knicks because OKC, Russell Westbrook's really not about playing point guard. Yeah, he racks up the assists, but he's not really like setting up his guys in an amazing position. Paul George isn't really much of a playmaker. He's kind of scoring on his own. So he was really the third option, almost fourth option behind Steven Adams. And then we know in Houston, it's really James Harden and Chris Paul the last two years. And even Joe Johnson said, being in Houston pretty much took him out of the NBA, I believe. I didn't read the entire uh, quote from him, but I know it wasn't a positive light of playing in Houston and how it kind of impacts players in a negative way. Yeah, um, before we do finish, shout out to ISO Joe. Obviously, we would have liked him in a Brooklyn Nets uniform, but heading to Detroit, I think I said to Nick or you know JVT Nick um, that I thought Detroit would be the, the team that he would go to because of the role uh, and the amount Most of minutes. minutes that, for sure, yeah. Yeah, so that, that, that wasn't a surprise. And, to, set, to have ISO Joe in, in any sort of uniform, any NBA uniform, it's going to be good for the NBA. Too bad it could be in the black and white, but uh, he'll be a nice fit in Detroit. And, you know, maybe Melo will be good in the black and white because this could be his last opportunity. So um, if he's not willing to make all those concessions individually, um, then it could be open for him. Yeah, and finish at home, you know, from Brooklyn, I think it would be really big. And I think... Uh... There's a possibility of him, you know, staying with the team for the next season too. You know, like if it works out, he's a player to come off the bench and give you some major pop. And like we talked about the possibility of winning a championship, but also a quick shout out to another former net who retired today, Sean Livingston, resilient career, you know, obviously had that horrific leg injury, was able to bounce back and think it was the 13, 14 nets with KG and Pierce that they probably don't have Sean Livingston on that team with the way Darren Williams was playing they maybe don't make the playoffs and they don't get a first round series win. So always appreciate Sean Livingston, one of probably my favorite players in the league over the last 10 years. Yeah, and if he didn't play as well as he did then, he wouldn't have got that nice contract from the Golden State Warriors. He wouldn't Was, have those championships. He would definitely not have those championships. And, you know, he deserved that contract. He deserved all the success he had. One of the, you know, to, to face the individual adversity that he's gone through, um, it, it's, it speaks volumes to him as an individual. He will be remembered fondly. Um, by Nets fans, by Golden State Warriors fans alike. Um, he was he was really important when they were really sort of balling in 16, 17, and 17, 8. And, you know, he was, you know, such an integral part of that second unit just to be able to get that mid-ranger, um, just to, to create his own offense and, you know, just make the right plays, was always long, was always, you know, had really good defensive engagement. Um, you know, yeah, a wonderful career from a guy who probably could have shown a lot more if his body had have allowed him. Yeah, a lot of people think that he could have been, you know, one of the top point guards in the entire NBA. And if you really think about it, 
he was an incredible athlete before the injury. Obviously not a great athlete after the injury, you know, recovering from something right like that. It's just not going to happen. But being able to have the career he had without having the athleticism that got him to that point, I thought was just so crazy. And it would have been just such a what if situation. Yeah, it speaks volumes to him. It speaks volumes in general. But um, I'm sure we'll be discussing some plenty of other sort of Nets news uh, in the coming days and weeks. You know, like Nets, Nick said, you know, it's barely two weeks away from media day and sure something Carmelo will do. I'm sure Kyrie will eventually speak to the media and Kevin Durant will be in, someone in, in someone's Instagram comments. So uh, the buzzers won't stop. Yeah, and definitely keep an eye out for the player previews. We'll start dropping them this week as well. Jack, always a pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Find us on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Google Play, and YouTube. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal.